I can talk pretty much anything. Like I'm, I'm fine to talk about sex, pleasure, orgasms, anal, anything taboo. Hi, everyone. I am so excited about today's episode. I interviewed Eva Vicky, who is a women's empowerment, sex, and love coach. And she had so much insight, so many practical tips for healing sexual shame and tapping into your sexual magnetism. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm Bailey. I'm a healer living in London at the moment, and this is my little love project. I want this to be a place for expansive conversations and a catalyst for your healing journey. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. We will get into the episode. I would love to just start by talking about how you got into this work and Mm -hmm. what that path was like for you. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'll just quickly explain what my childhood was like to give a bit of context. So I grew up in a Greek Orthodox home, so sex was quite shameful, like for many people. Um, it's nothing really that special. A lot of people grow up in, in places where sex is not talked about and it's taboo. So I had very little education around sex, but I was really curious. And um, so when I grew up and became a teenager, I, I was quite shy um, throughout, my whole my, throughout my whole life. Um, And then when I first had sex, it was really, really painful and I was not expecting it to be like that. And I sort of thought, oh, okay, well, that's just how it's going to be for the rest of my life. Like sex is always going to be like feeling like glass shards up my vagina, like just going to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't know any better and and I couldn't really speak to my mum. We weren't really comfortable or, or open talking about that at that point. So... I sort of, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to find out if sex could feel pleasurable um, and good for me. So eventually when I moved out of home, I ended up having sex with a lot of people casually and every time sex was so painful and awful, like, like some of the worst pain I would say um, that I've experienced. And I would always hear my my friends talking about, oh, like I had this orgasm and it was so great. And I felt like this and I would just be sitting there like so fucking confused, like why I couldn't have that experience. Yeah. Like are we doing the same thing here? Yeah. <laughs> and so this, that really, it was that which um, created this longing and desire for me to like explore and find the truth about sex and pleasure and my body and, so I went on this like really big um, self-development journey, as you could call it, like everyone usually goes on. Um, and mine was specifically just around sexuality. Like mine was very sex focused. Um, and I discovered a lot of things about myself. I ended up going into stripping um, at 18 and that was a very opening experience, um, a very big initiation into into the feminine, into my body, into my sexuality as a woman, into my empowerment. Um, So I learned a lot there. I saw a lot of things. I saw a lot of good things. I saw a lot of bad things. 
you know, it really opened my eyes up to the world, especially because I lived in quite a sheltered life being, you know, Greek Orthodox. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So then I eventually just like came across breath work as one of the tools, um, for healing and I really loved it and I kept doing it. And Mm. I, uh, came across feminine archetypal embodiment as well. And so I did some journeys with that, um, with the different feminine archetypes, like the mother, um, the wild woman, the maiden, uh, the slut, priestess, things like that. Oh, and um, so many questions about the archetypes. I'd love to talk about yeah. that. Oh, yeah, we can definitely go in detail. And that was another big initiation, like being initiated into feminine embodiment um, through the archetypes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so then I started to all throughout this time I was in university studying business. So really completely different to what I'm doing now. Um, And then eventually I took formal studies in sex and love and relationships. Um, And then that deepened my, my understanding even more. And that's like brought me here. So yeah, helping other people like have better sex and pleasure in their bodies and feel more liberated and empowered in their sexuality as women yeah, I, just oh, that's so beautiful. I as well like came from such a background of shame. I went to a Christian school and it was like the worst thing you could be was a slut. And mm-hmm. I kind of did the same thing where it's like I grew up pretty sheltered. Like I remember in my house, like with my dad, if if like a sex scene came on in a movie, we would just both sit there like in pain, like <laughs> feel his pain. Yeah. We just sit there so embarrassed because yeah, it was meant to be like this really like shameful thing. And for so I I didn't even realize how repressed I was until I swung in the opposite direction. And then it was like, I wanted to have sex with everyone. And then I kind of had to learn that that also like, isn't the way to channel that sexual energy, because I was letting people in that, you know, didn't really deserve to have access to my energy. But I think with a lot of people that are going to be listening to this as well because a lot of those questions were around getting past sexual shame or just like an uncomfortable upbringing around sex. I love that you, I want to hear about how stripping helps you access that energy and heal that part of you because I can see it be, you know, when you decide it's going to be an empowering thing, I can see it being so empowering Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the thing, right? Um, so the reason why I, I got into stripping, like the real reason why I ended up doing it was because on the night of my 18th birthday, also trigger warning, um, mentioning of sexual abuse here on my night, on the night of my 18th birthday, I was sexually abused, um, in quite a bad way with someone that I had been with before. And, when that happened, I was sort of like, whoa, like, mm-hmm. okay, something needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in, because when we go through a very, very traumatic experience like that, trauma is stored in the body, as we know. It's not stored in, in like, other ways. It's stored in the physical body. And I had never felt so disconnected to my body. Like, I felt completely, like, in half. Yeah. And 
I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I would, if I saw myself in the mirror, like I would just like burst into tears crying because I could just see and feel my pain. Um, and I was too afraid to look inside of my body and see what was there. It was too painful and scary. So I did go to therapy and um, then I talked with some friends and I confessed to one of my closest friends who I lived with. And I said to her, you know, I really want to be a stripper. Like, it's always been my childhood fantasy to be a stripper. Like I would fantasize as a little girl, like being a woman and lap dancing and seducing men and all this. And she's like, Oh my God, you have to do it. It would be so great. Um, So that's why I actually got into it so that I could overcome um, that disempowered feeling and that sense that my body didn't belong to me. I did stripping so that I felt like my body was mine again. And that I had like my own power and sovereignty over it because when you're a stripper, like you get to choose, you get to make the calls, you get to make the shots like of who you get to dance with and if they get to touch you or not. And that's the really uh, like empowering and safe thing. Um, And so when I was in the strip club, that, that the context of being the one in power because in a way it's sort of like the, the, the places that the positions are turned in the strip club, the, mm-hmm. the strippers, the women usually are the ones in power, like asking the men or getting to say what goes. And um, it's a completely different environment to the outside world. Yeah. So yeah, when I was, when you're in that embodied sexual essence and state and you know seducing and um captivating people it was really empowering because i could express my sexual sexuality and my sexual energy in a in a safe contained way where people appreciated it and it was witness um but also like i got to say if someone um got to touch me or see me or not and if i didn't want that like i could speak and like it would be met um and that felt really safe and empowering um so yeah I don't know if that answered your question now but (laughs) no it it totally totally did and it's just the example of how like it's kind of like going into the shadows a bit to find healing and Mm -hmm. I really I related so much to what you said about going through that kind of pain and then just being separated from your body because Mm -hmm. And I, I experience this with a lot of people that do breath work, like the reason they feel so different and so empowered all of a sudden and so like ready to be who they are is because they're just coming into their body for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I separated from my body in a lot of different ways. Like growing up, it was just like physical abuse and I was always like living in my head and sex has only gotten good since like deciding it's okay to like be in here. Mm-hmm. but I just, I love that, that like dancing was like medicine for you. Oh, yeah. And I think it's so cool because it's such a fun way to play with like that magnetic sexual energy because like, I just, I absolutely love going to strip clubs, but mm-hmm. what I really like is that you can, you can tell who is, embodied and who really like is connected to their own sexual energy and it's not just about looks like you think of a strip club strippers like 
making money based off of looks. And it's just so not like that. It's like this magnetic sexual energy. Mm-hmm. You are so, so right there. When I worked, I was so shocked because, you know, prior to entering the strip club, I had all the conditioning that everyone mm-hmm. has in our society, which is like your looks determine your worth and how attractive people will think you are or how many people will like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, when I was in the strip club, there were, there were women who fit the, the beauty standard and there were also plenty of women who didn't. And it literally, there was no correlation between the amount of money you made, how much, how much you made per night based on what you looked like. It didn't even matter what lingerie you wore. I wore, I had three, three lingerie pieces and I would just cycle through them throughout the week, like with the same pair of heels. Like it did not matter what you wore, what you looked like. I would go to work sometimes without any makeup and still kill it. Like it did not matter. Like it is all about your transmission. It's all about your energy, how embodied you are in that. Um, in a way I sort of see it as like you create an energy vortex, like with your magnetic sexual energy. And it's like, depending on how in touch you are with that yeah. uh, determines how powerful that vortex is in, in drawing people into you. I like that. The vortex. Mm-hmm. I want to use that. Yeah. It's just even, even going out, I feel like you can see it because you can tell when a woman and it has nothing to do with them fitting into societal norms of beauty, but you can just tell when a woman is like so comfortable in her own energy and it really shows that it's like a magnet. Mm -hmm. It's so so true. So (laughs) I have some questions from Instagram. Amazing. So what advice do you, and I know you kind of touched on this, but what advice do you have for women that find sex painful? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot that we can do. Like that's the, that's the really great thing. There's a lot of avenues um, that we can take Mm -hmm. to transform our pain into pleasure because that's the polarity. Um, so I can speak from my own experience here. So what really helped me um, overcome pain in sex was dearmoring. So pussy dearmoring. Um, if you're not sure what that is, you can Google it. It will sort of it might come up on Google, but it's more on Instagram. So dearmoring is where you use acupressure points inside of the vagina to release tension um, and trauma stored in the body. I've never so, heard of this. That is so you haven't heard of it? So pussy dearmoring. Yeah. I, I like to call it pussy dearmoring. Some people call it yoni dearmoring, whatever you like. So this is um, something that I teach other women. Um, and the reason why dearmoring is so effective and powerful is because the reason we have pain in our vaginas, the reason we have pain in our bodies is because there's trapped trauma or unresolved trauma in the body and also conditioning. Like you can store conditioning from society, from your family in your body and in your vagina as well. Mm-hmm. And it's stored there as tension and tightness. So dearmoring can help physically like loosen that tense tightness. Um, so that's one thing that I highly recommend uh, doing. Um, another one is obviously breath work because that's just an overall like, um, nervous system nourishment like 
releasing of trauma in the whole body. Um, another thing I would recommend is learning your body's yes and no with penetration. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't know this for a long, long time until I came across it, but actually like even when you insert like a tampon or your fingers or a sex toy, let alone like someone else's penis, like knowing how to ask your body for consent is really important because um, many of us and same as me for many, many years, I did this. Like I was letting objects and people inside of me without actually checking in with my pussy if she wanted to be penetrated. So the reason, uh, the way that you can see what's a true yes and a true no is really simple. Like you just bring your awareness, your consciousness down into your, 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 your yoni or your pussy. Mm-hmm. And you can ask her, like, if you have an object there, like a glass toy, you can ask, do you want to receive this today? Or do you want to be penetrated today? And just waiting, like you'll, you'll hear a really gentle yes or a no from inside of you and listening to that. Um, and when it's a no, like listening to that no and not penetrating because um, our bodies over time, like when we have penetrated ourselves with, you know, tampons and stuff and we weren't fully ready when pussy wasn't really ready for that penetration, it can create pain um, when we do go to have sex because our bodies are like, in this trauma response of like fight, flight, freeze mode, like not really knowing or not being able to trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really powerful as well. Just knowing that um, and tr- listening to the yes and the no and following it. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I love that. I've never thought about it that way. Even like what you were saying with tampons and all this mm-hmm. stuff, I feel like it's really easy to become disconnected to your yoni. You know, and just treating it like, okay, well, this is just what you deal with. I really like that. So I would love to, this is just a personal question, not from Instagram, but I would love to know like how you can upgrade your self-pleasure practice because I have this vibrator. I got it on Amazon like 2016 and it gets the job done. I've tried to get fancier ones and I always come back to, he has a name. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend named him Victor because Victor the vibrator. Um, I don't know if he wants to share all this, but it's my vibrator and my self-pleasure practice. But um, yeah, I just, but sometimes I feel like it can be very goal oriented when it's with myself. I feel like with a partner, I've gotten to the place where I can really enjoy the whole process. But when I want to whip out my vibrator and I'm like ready to go, I feel like it's just a bam, bam, thank you, man, with myself. And Mm -hmm. so I would love to know how you can create a more Mm. like, yeah, more like soulful and deep self-pleasure practice. Mm. Oh, I love this question because I, I've, face the struggle as well like where in sex like you can really surrender to the experience and not be so goal orientated but when 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 it's with ourselves it's like really just wanting that that release and that orgasm and that bliss um so upgrade i love that that word upgrading our self-pleasure practice so i like to make mine ritualistic um so creating your self-pleasure practice as a ritual so that can look like 
uh, setting the space up in a particular way, like lighting candles, playing music, ritualizing the experience, mm-hmm. um, I feel upgrades it. Um, rather than just going to your bed and whipping the the vibrator out from the bedside table and using it, like really make it a ritual and you can invite, like um, activate your other senses as well. So we have yeah, activate all five. So something beautiful to smell like essential oils, mm-hmm. touch like oil on your body, mm-hmm. um, sound like beautiful music. Um, I can't remember the sight, something beautiful to see and, and yeah feeling sensation so um even like inviting chocolate and and seducing yourself with senses first Mm -hmm. before you go into self-pleasure like you can like eat chocolate really really slowly um Mm -hmm. and like really savor the chocolate and like do it in a ritualistic way because like each of our senses is related to different uh chakras in the body um and I believe that smell and taste are associated with like the lowest chakras in the body. So when we can activate our taste and our smell, like that can turn us on even more. Um, I've just learned about sensual eating. And now it's oh, just, yeah. because I like open up my camera and I'll like sensually eat to myself. <laughs> um, but yeah. I had chocolate in the bathtub for the first time last week and that was like a sexual experience. But that's, I didn't know about, that like those sensations connecting to the lower chakras. So that Mm -hmm. really makes sense now. Yeah. Other ways that you can um, upgrade your uh, self-pleasure experience, I guess like involving breath work is really, Mm -hmm. you can, you can combine self-pleasure with breath work. So what I like to do is when I, when I'm using my vibrator and like, I'm almost at the, like I'm building towards orgasm. What I'll do is like do a bit of edging. So edging is where you get to about a nine out of 10 of almost orgasm. And then you, you back off a little bit and then you build it up to nine and then down again. So I, I will edge and then I'll incorporate some breath work. So I'll breathe in and out of my mouth and like imagine that sexual energy, like in my pussy, in my root, in my sacral Mm -hmm. chakra and like breathing it up my spine and then I usually like to breathe it up into my heart and you can even breathe that sexual energy like up into your head and and like your crown chakra as well Mm -hmm. so like that's one way you can like make the pleasure last longer and also make it spread throughout more of your body Mm -hmm. um and I feel like yeah that incorporation of breath upgrades it too can make it a really intense experience um I, I um I read this book about Tantra and the takeaway that I got was like a lot of times when we feel like we're about to come we are like holding our breath just trying not to like lose that orgasm because for women it can be such it can feel like such a science sometimes and you're like oh just like I'm almost there just want to get this but um shifting into like when you feel that and you feel it coming like breathing so you really like send that orgasm all throughout your body and it's such a different feeling Mm-hmm. I love that's that. true yeah we do pretty much most people will hold their breath mm-hmm. um reaching orgasm and so noticing that like it's okay if you do hold your breath that's fine like who cares at the end of the day if you hold your breath and you have an orgasm you have an orgasm like that's yeah. great <laughs> but if you want to try something different um definitely breathing it um helps a lot yeah just a small little technique um so i've gotten into like manifesting when I orgasm 
Mm-hmm. Is this, so is this sex magic? Yeah, that's sex magic. I want to hear more. How does, do you know how it works? Or can we just talk about the concept of sex magic? If you've manifested anything from sex magic? Oh my God. Yes. Plenty of times. <laughs> I'm going to sound like a crazy witch no, no. now, but Please. I am a witch at heart. Like I don't share my, my witchy qualities and self on Instagram. Um, maybe one day I'll come out of the witch closet and share a bit more about it, but Please I do, do sex magic. <laughs> I will. <laughs> In the witch yeah. way. I just, I want to about it. So I've been doing sex magic for years. Um, and I have, I have manifested so many partners. <laughs> with sex magic. Yeah, it sounds really evil, but like, okay, the most important thing with sex magic is so for those any for any of the people listening that are not sure what the term sex magic means, it means using your sexual energy to manifest something into reality. And you usually do this while self self pleasuring and you circulate your sexual energy through each individual chakra. And then when you reach the top of your head, you send it off to the universe as you orgasm, ideally orgasming, but you don't have to orgasm. You send it off to the universe and then you visualize it in like a five senses reality of it actually happening. And then um, you imagine that, that in that five senses manifestation falling back down into your body um, and crystallizing and making it real. It's a really powerful, beautiful practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been dating for a few years now since my last relationship ended. And I have used sex magic to get pretty much anyone that I have slept with. Mm-hmm. Like I have done sex magic on them. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> little do they know. <laughs> Little do they know I've been <laughs> been creating it to happen, but you um, can use it. But the important thing is with with sex magic is that you before you do it, you set the intention that, especially if you're involving other people in in the manifestation, you set the intention and you say to like your north star or your higher self or to the universe, whatever is like the the big thing for you. Mm-hmm. Like you say, only if it's in alignment with the highest good of all people and beings involved like that's really important to set at the beginning of the sex magic process because you don't want to be you know messing around and you know intervening and and messing people's timelines up and all that stuff so um always with the intention of the highest good for all involved so yeah um if i look back on yeah, sex magic things that I've done. It's I've definitely attracted a lot of partners, um, people that I've wanted to have sex with. Um, I would do a sex magic practice on them, visualize it, orgasm manifest, and it would happen. I've done it with um, apartments. Like I really wanted a specific apartment in Sydney last year and I got it. Um, and my exams, like when I was in university, and I wasn't sure if I was going to, I wasn't sure, like I didn't want to study, but like I had to prepare for the exam. I'd just do a sex magic practice and just say, oh, I'm fine. I'd rather worry about it than study about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> so I've done it for many things and, and for me it works. So, yeah, but I don't do it for every single thing. Like only if I really, really feel like a, like a deep desire and alignment for that thing. So, yeah. I mean, there's nothing to lose. Like if you, if you get an orgasm out of it, there's nothing to yeah. lose. But I, I definitely want to, like the way that you put it is so beautiful. Whereas I feel like I'll remember as I'm about to orgasm, I'm like, quick, think about, <laughs> think about the apartment. <laughs> or like, <laughs> think about this opportunity or whatever. And it, yeah, but it works. It, it really works. I mean, mm-hmm. something happens. So let's talk about um, a, a few questions were around how you communicate basically how to let your partner know that you're a freak and you want some like some deeper like kinkier things in the bedroom like how can you feel comfortable expressing that with a partner Mm. oh that's a good question and I feel like that's something so many people want to know um I feel like I always bring it up like a joke and then I'm like, but I mean, if you want to, we can, we can wear like full latex suits and cover each other in peanut butter. <laughs> not, not or had or played out, but you know, as an example, but I don't know if yeah. that's the best, most conscious way of doing it. Yeah. So I guess it really depends on, on what the relationship dynamic is. Like, is it your long-term partner? Like, is it just someone that like you're a friends with benefits with or just seeing like, it really depends on that. Um, but it shouldn't like, actually, no, it doesn't depend on that. It doesn't matter what the relationship really is, um, what the label is or whatever. Um, I, for me, this it's, it's easier said than done, but actually sitting down um, and talking about it is the, obviously the best way to go about it. There is a really beautiful practice I like to give people um, with their partner or their lover, and it's called loves, fears, and desires. So it's essentially like a little practice and you can do it like, you know, when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed um, or when you see each other and you can, so pretty much you have three questions and it's, what do you love? What are you afraid of? And what do you, desire or what do you want so um what the way that you will do this is person a will ask the question what do you really love and person b will respond and they will just talk and talk and talk and person a does not interrupt them at all they have to just practice active listening and witnessing and person a uh, person b answering will just continue until there's a natural pause And when there's a natural pause in their words, person A will ask the question a second time. What do you really love to prompt them a second time? And then they'll just continue answering. And then when they're finished, person A will say, thank you. What do you really, what are you really afraid of? And then person B continues. And then when there's a pause again, you ask the question a second time, you do it the same with the third question. Mm -hmm. The most important thing here is that the person listening doesn't interrupt. You don't have to contribute and say anything to what they just said. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't need to like elaborate on anything or you don't need to discuss anything. It's just a witnessing practice. And then you do it the same. So person B will ask and person A will answer. Um, That can be a really beautiful opportunity to say what you really love about that person 
describe your fear. Like you can be like, I'm scared that you might not like my desires around what I want to do with you sexually. I'm afraid that you're going to reject me. I'm afraid that you're going to think I'm fucking weird if I express my uh, sexual fantasy with you or my sexual desire with you. And then, so you can get those fears off your chest. And the beauty of it is that person is not allowed to interrupt or respond to you. Like they have to just listen. And so you can really get it all out. And then when they ask, like, what do you really desire? You can say, I really desire to X, Y, Z, like have this experience with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just have to witness that all they have to do is witness and listen. Like that's the biggest rule. And that can be a beautiful technique and strategy and practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like every couple should do it um, at least once a week with each other to drop in and connect and mm-hmm. you know you can eye gaze as well as you do this um to really connect with each other deeper and yeah it's a beautiful simple practice yeah i want to try that i think it's really beautiful to have it set up where you're not interrupting because i think sometimes when we start sharing those deep things it's really easy to to not say what you're actually meaning to say because you start trying to read the person you're talking to when they're like interrupting or like when they're you know just even like encouraging you to talk more it's still like a projection and you're not being you're not able to say what you really want to say I really want to try that it's so beautiful definitely what you said um doing it in a time and space but you're not going to be interrupted like a really safe nurturing sacred little space it doesn't have to be for long you can just set 15 minutes aside for Mm -hmm. it and wait just quiet time no distractions, no phones, no interruptions. Mm-hmm. And it's just a nice way to connect and you can really express your, your fears and your desires with them. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So um, I'd love to talk about the archetypes, understand what they are, how we embody them. Archetype is a word or a term that was coined by Carl Jung. Essentially an archetype is a patterning in the collective unconscious. Okay. So What do I mean by that? So the patterning of, let's go for a mother, for example. So everyone knows what sort of behaviors and characteristics a mother has, no matter your cultural background, where you're from in the world, mothers all have certain characteristics and qualities that all come to mind when we hear that word. And it's because those patterns are in the collective unconscious. That's an archetype. So when we think of archetypes, that's sort of how it works. So archetypes there's so many so 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 many of them there's hundreds i would almost i would say maybe even thousands out there um and so an archetype um is anything that's like a pattern or it's not really a stereotype though it's a bit different um and so you can have ones like the mother the the maiden so the maiden is like the little girl um the wild woman you can have the the warrior the the lover the sed, the seductress the whore the priestess the queen the crone you can have all of these archetypes and as i say those words there's different images that come to mind and with those names and images there's different um behaviors characteristics patterns that they have each unique So that's essentially what an archetype is. Mm -hmm. And you can explore the 
each archetype through embodiment practices. So a lot of people, we hear the word embodiment like thrown around everywhere. Um, And I feel like sometimes it's kind of used um, as like a marketing tool sometimes like, Oh, embodiments, like really what embodiment is, is when you're in your body, you're feeling your sensations, all five senses are activated. That's what embodiment is. And there's also a quality of sensuality to embodiment in, in my experience and just my perspective on it. Um, sensual, like what does sensual mean? It means your senses. So you're activating your, your sight, your sound, your touch, your taste, your smell. And when you have all of those parts of you online, you are embodying something different. You're embodying a different essence. Um, and there's this concept called like the, the feminine gateways. So the feminine gateways are breath, sound, touch, and movement. And if you use these four feminine gateways, you can use them. If you change each of them, you can embody different archetypes. So, for example, like the wild woman, she's fucking crazy and erratic and untamed. And so how would she move? How would she sound? She would be like really, you know, aggressive with her sound. She would probably breathe really heavy. She would move and like shake and move in erratic ways. Um, So, yeah, that's breath, Mm -hmm. sound, touch. She would touch herself with like, like, like passion. And, you know, there's a fierceness to her there's like a, a fucking quality to her, yeah. um, the way that she moves as well. And then contrast that to the maiden, for example. So our little girl and the maiden, how would she breathe? She might have like a softer breath. Like she would have like a softer, gentle touch to her body. She would move in like a really slow, gentle way, caressing herself So you see how you can use those four gateways to completely embody a different aspect or a different archetype of yourself. Um, That's sort of the best way I can explain it without having, without being able to show or display it. But I hope that explains it well. Totally. Totally. I just, I identify with this wild woman one. I don't know where it's come from, but lately, like I've felt like instead of using my words, I'll like growl or dance off the anger or like make these noises. Like I don't, I did a a little bit of work around the throat chakra and now it's like, I just feel so expressive with like noises. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. Or I even think about like embodying like the horror archetype to kind of, use that to heal some of the shame Mm -hmm. embodying that like shadow archetype and being like no like let's explore this Mm, it's edgy for a lot of people yeah I really like that so we'll start to wrap it up but I would love to just leave this or leave the listeners with a like tool that they can use if they want to access more of this sexual feminine energy but they don't really know where to start Mm. Okay. Breast massage. Mm. I think, and I really do believe every woman should do a breast massage every day. Mm. Like if that's, if there's one practice to do, if you're not that keen on meditating or you're not that keen on breath work, like maybe breast massage. Like Mm. I think it is such a powerful and simple practice 
it connects you to your heart. It helps heal heartbreak. It enhances your sense of self-love and acceptance for your body and your breasts. Um, yeah, I feel like that's probably one of the simplest but most powerful tools um, to get connected to your body, your feminine energy, your feminine heart. Um, and open and begin to activate your your sexual energy in that way. Mm. I love that. Love that. Okay, so for anyone that wants to work with you or just follow along with your journey, where are the best places to get connected? Okay, beautiful. So obviously on Instagram, my handle is Eva Vicky. So E V A V I C K Y. Um, I also have a website. Um, so the best way to contact me is usually through Instagram or, or through my website or my email. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do one-on-one coaching at the moment. And so I do it in, it's a three month program slash package. Um, and we do lots of this type of embodiment stuff. We work through trauma, we heal um, all those sort of things, any blocks, fears, resistances that are in the way of, getting what you truly desire and want in your sexuality or in your life, mm-hmm. um, whatever's stopping you in, in having your best or first orgasm or experiencing pleasure or being in your body or feeling mm-hmm. like your feminine energy or whatever it is. Um, that's yeah. I do one-on-one coaching for all those things and lots more. So amazing. Yeah. amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. I love your chat. It goes by so quick. Like I just about all of this forever. And you really know what you're talking about. It's beautiful. Bye everyone. Thank you so, so much for taking an interest in this little podcast project of mine. I hope that these episodes have brought you a little bit of grounding some comfort and I hope that they expand your mind about what's possible for you if you enjoyed the podcast please take a second to give it a little rating as it just helps me to grow this platform and to get some more interesting guests on so I hope that you have a beautiful day and I'm sending so much love through your airpods or your computer your phone and I will talk to you very soon